Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You listen to them talk about the enforcer Arn Anderson. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello, 83 Weeks fans. Welcome to the show that is just for you. This is where we break it all down live. We cover the big reveals, the myths, and get your fan reactions. Thank you so much for tuning in with us tonight. Let me introduce you to our panelists. He runs this YouTube channel and the YouTube channel for, like, pretty much all your favorite wrestlers. Hello, Steve Kaufman. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, I, thank you for having very, us on the channel. We're very, being very fly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for building building it, and then we all came, and then we're here. Thank it. you for allowing me to keep my spot. <laughs> this is the wrestling uh, TV show version of everybody shaking hands when they first walk into a yes. room in the professional wrestling Hello. biz. Hello. <laughs> and this guy would definitely be doing that. He is an independent wrestler, and we call him the Encyclopedia of Sports Entertainment. It's George Hermosa. I'm trying to bring back the Emma dance. Remember Emma dance? I do now that you're uh, performing it so lovely right here in the studio for all of us. Is there a reason that was on your mind? I don't know. Just when the music was on, I just felt like dancing. And that's the first thing that came to mind that I can... Because obviously, everybody, you know, my, my feet are my magic stuff, you know, when I'm, on the, when I'm on the dance floor. But you can't see that, so I just went with the Emma. He's given us what he can. I kind of thought, Arn Anderson, there would be another uh, female WWE performer we'd be talking about, not Emma. But oh, maybe we'll we get into won't that. be going there at all. Maybe we will. Okay, maybe we will. <laughs> Chat roll, it is all up to you guys. We do have you rolling right now. I want to say hello to Purple Person, everybody else who's hanging out. Make sure you guys give us your thoughts on the show, too, because we like to read them on the air. You're our, you're our fourth host. And we did have so much good stuff to discuss this week. We've been looking forward to this one for a while, right? I know I was. There, there was a specific reason, which they got into, obviously. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to ignore that. I've been saying this for a while. There's a lot of episodes in the past month where I've been looking forward to since the beginning of, of 83 Weeks happening. Yeah. I was really looking forward to this one because I, I was curious, timeline-wise, how close we are to an Arn Anderson podcast. Yeah. As to what Conrad says about it, and we're learning we're further away than I thought. Because <laughs> not one word about it on this week's show. We talked about it last week. He mentioned it as an aside, of, like just as an aside. An Arn Anderson podcast is coming. It's the right. Arn Show on social media, and, and especially because um, you know, uh, what's the show that just happened? The, all, the AEW yes. show just happened, and and even an Arn Anderson showing up during the actual pay per view. I thought that they would have something in terms of like, cool, the Arn Show's coming. But yeah, I'm still a little like, hey, like they announced it back in maybe what May. It's ready when it's ready. Such a man they answer. It back in May, I think, during the last Starcast, yeah. and it's like still like not a tentative date. They said September. We're in September now. Like, is it just well, going to yeah, drop? Yeah, but on? so for someone who has his finger on the pulse of what's going down at, at Starcast, there was no announcements made. At there this were no last announcements, one, right? There were no official date announcements made. I think the Starcast Two in Las Vegas, they made it pretty clear that it wasn't a big secret because it was something I didn't say. That I happened to know. <laughs> Just to be clear, he didn't spill any beans. Before. I didn't let it, like, I happened to know and didn't let anyone know. Like, didn't say anything, and then it was StarCast 2. Like, no, it's happening, it's totally happening, and then here we are, StarCast 3, and we still don't have a date. But 
What I can speak to is the quality within that group. Mm-hmm. They're not going to release something they're not happy with. That's they're not going to release something that's not ready. Mm-hmm. And that they'd rather do a bunch of test shows or like get it or get everything in in order before they have a launch date. So that's that's my guess as to why there's why we're guessing. Yeah, well, in addition to kind of some current news, which was a new thing for the show, Conrad has also been kind of checking in with Eric at the top of the show lately, and we're kind of getting some juicy stuff about his new life in Stanford and his role at WWE. None of that this week either. Um, that is a little interesting. That right? could be a variety I feel of like I feel like every week there was at least just something, whether yes. it's so small, maybe it's one grain, which mm-hmm. you know they, they can go with. But yeah, I think they just kind of... Cut right to the episode, if anything. Yeah, cut right to the chase. These guys do not have time to mess around. And uh, we want to remind you guys to take a second and hit that subscribe button. This is Eric's official 83 Weeks channel, brought to you by AfterBuzz TV, of course. And Juan in the chat said, Can you explain that promo that Arn cut on Chris Benoit and Woman years before the tragic deaths? Would that be a good place to jump in, George? I got nothing. You got nothing? I, I really got nothing. I have no idea what, what he's referring to. After all that hype about you being the encyclopedia. Dude, last week that happened, too. You guys asked me something, and I was like, ooh. You were stumped. All right. Wow. Well, let's let's cover what they talked about on 83 Weeks. Started with in Arn's uh, illustrious career. They kind of started at the top with the Dangerous Alliance. His time tagging with Bobby Eaton. Arn was, of course, the microphone one in that. That was something that we didn't see on TV a whole lot, right? This was NWA days, right? The this Dangerous was Alliance. WCW. This was maybe like 91, 92, a kind Very of a shift. Early. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that right when they kind of shifted over to WCW. Uh-huh. And I don't want to be like a little peeker, but I did see the first line of your <laughs> notes, though. One of the most underrated in-ring performers of all time. That uh- is a quote from Conrad at the beginning of the show. <laughs> So I, if you're I, gonna take somebody to task on that one, it's not gonna be me. I disagree. Because you don't think he was a good in-ring performer, because or because you think he gets all the accolades. I he think needs? he gets all the accolades he needs. Like I think for somebody like underrated, I think it is somebody like a Bobby in who you kind of forget just how good he was until mm-hmm. you watch him. Everybody knows how good Arn Anderson was. Like but, I don't, you know. But they usually put him over for his psychology, for his work as an agent. For being uh, smart, for having like ring smarts, not necessarily for being a great wrestler. But I mean, I think I, I think it's both. Not the same. that he wasn't a great wrestler. But, but, I think but, he but, was. But, but having having great psychology and timing kind of goes into being a great wrestler. Yeah, but that's what comes up when most people talk about Arn. Not I, I, I think what a maybe, great move. I think in many ways, maybe that line is maybe a little accurate when it comes to maybe accolades because they say it all the time. Maybe if Ric Flair didn't exist, who knows what accolades Arn Anderson would have as world champion. I think maybe because he didn't win the big one really ever, mm-hmm. maybe that's why they said underrated. But in terms of like just public opinion, I think I think he gets a, the praise that he rightfully deserves by everybody. Well, do you think part of that is the Dangerous Alliance, or has that kind of gotten forgotten now, sort of, as Eric said on the show, it was like, it was before the Four Horsemen, and if you're not bigger and better... You really are nothing. So is do you guys agree with this? The Dangerous Alliance is kind of a, an afterthought? I don't know about an afterthought, but I do think a lot of the... The Dangerous Alliance was very much... If you remember it, you remember it for Paul more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look back at Arn, you look back at Arn for everything else he did that wasn't the Dangerous Alliance. I think it's, it's kind of a tr- trivial in the most trivial sense of the word that Arn was a part of the Dangerous Alliance. I think it was a little forgotten and, and it always another thing that's mentioned too if the Four Horsemen ever existed who knows the, the impact and the legacy of the Dangerous Alliance would have lasted or would have, would have had and I think a lot of the reasons why they are getting brought up a lot more these days is because of the network because mm-hmm. people want to see what was Paul, e- Paul Heyman doing mm. in WCW back in the day what was Steve Austin doing early on in his career oh wow there was a stable that or it was Paul Heyman managing Steve Austin Rick Rude Arn Anderson Bobby Ian, Medusa. 
Like, yeah. it's just such a great array of talent, Larry Zabisco. And I think now that, you know, obviously these things are coming up with the network, I think now they're not, they're going from forgotten to like, oh, okay, I do remember. Oh, wow. Like, even for some of the newer fans, you're like, oh my God, like, look at that talent roster that that stable had. So, yeah. forgotten, but now they're getting the praise that they deserve a lot of the reasons, I think, because of the network. Right. Well, we did get a couple little tidbits about some other folks, too. A little bit about Tully Blanchard, who has had an interesting week <laughs> in real time, I have to say. Is he or is he not on Twitter and or Instagram? He is not on Twitter. But he is on Instagram. I think, I think, I Te- don't, I do not, I will find it real fast. Well, if anybody so, would know, it would be his daughter, Tessa, who clarified that that wasn't his real account. That it was on Insta, not on Twitter. I think, yeah. You're did, one of them, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. I was like, which one was So it? basically, somebody put their time and energy into making a fake Tully Blanchard Twitter page and fooled a whole lot of people into thinking it was the real thing. It was not. However, in the midst of this, or maybe because of this, Tully did open an Instagram account that Tessa said is absolutely him. Mm-hmm. So if you want to follow Tully, you got to go do it mm-hmm. on Insta. I'm trying to find it right now. Instagram's not my... It's not, not my, your forte? Not, not my jam. preferred my preferred medium. Well, I know you guys are going to have a lot to say about this because we also heard a little bit about Paul Roma. So had a stint, shall we say, with the Four Horsemen that I think, George, you've expressed some <laughs> um, distaste for in the past. I mean, I think we all have. Okay, uh, everybody. Uh, uh, I mean, but again, that goes back to how great Orrin Anderson won because he, he helped elevate, because they were tag team champions, he you know was a big part in helping elevate Paul Roma into into him being a horseman. Whether or not it, it succeeded or not, that's you know besides the point, but at least Arn, without Arn being there, being that enforcer, being that guy that just really can put guys over, Roma would have never been in that position to begin with. Yeah. Did the kind of rotating roster of the four horsemen, do you think that hurt the legacy at all? Ultimately, no. I think in the short term it did. Mm -hmm. Because I do think if you didn't know what the four horsemen were and then you saw the Paul Roma bits, Mm -hmm. that would have no choice but to devalue it to you. In the moment. But I think... But also at the time in the mid-90s that we're talking about, you don't really have the benefit of all the tapes. Mm -hmm. Whereas now we do. Now now you have the benefit of, like, the Four Horsemen as it ever existed. Here are the links. Yeah. At the moment, I don't think it was that bad for Paul Roma being a horseman, but I think it's just the legacy that it left. just kind of had a sour taste. Because at the time, I didn't mind it. And like you said, like, just kind of, I, I thought of the horsemen as something as, like, maybe a rotating group. And I, I was fine with it. And because I was something to look forward to. Oh, mm-hmm. if so-and-so got kicked out, who's going to be the next horseman? It's just something always that had me interested on in who's next, you know. And obviously, I think after this incarnation, we didn't see it again for like two years. But then when it did come back, it's like, oh, my God, who's going to be the, the next horseman? And I, it, to me, it, it wasn't a, it, I liked it. When Arn was teaming with Paul Roma, right, isn't this sort of the time when he started getting that reputation of being the guy who could put people over? Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, would you say that that did Arn more harm than good? If your goal is to become world champion, then mm-hmm. that's not – you don't want to be known as the guy who can make the winner look better. Yeah. So, like, I would say that. Like, that would hurt – that would hurt your long, not your longevity, but your upward mobility employment-wise. Longevity-wise, if he stayed healthy, he would have been Arn Anderson, as revered as the Enforcer for as long as they, as long as his body would let him. Mm-hmm. Like if Arn Anderson could do it, could have done it from then to now, he would still be doing it. Right. It would still make sense. He would still be putting people over. Yes, and for, <laughs> but for longevity, that for career longevity, that's a better spot. Mm-hmm. 
Well, speaking of longevity, I think it's quite funny uh, something that Eric pointed out about Arn and that for many, 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 many years, he has lived in the same place, been steadily employed in the professional wrestling business, which is unheard of, and been married to the same woman for like his entire career, basically. And I just think, you know, when you have to make a big deal out of that, what does that say about everybody else? Maybe? And, it, and, it's, and it's funny because, like, they always talk about like that with, like, Owen Hart or some other wrestlers as well where it's like, man, that guy, that guy was loyal. Like, they always made it a point to say that where it's like, wait, are you implying that other people aren't? That's <laughs> that's how I hear it when people say that. Like, there's, I don't think there's any other way to hear it where they're like, that's unheard of. And they don't mean – and I don't think they mean infidelity so much as they mean divorces. There are a lot of divorces in the wrestling business. That's right. true. That's, that's for him to not have one. Yeah, like, we're not talking about your monogamy and what that means. We're talking about the literal. <laughs> but we're talking about literally <laughs> the the wife not the wife having enough. And right. then you guys, divor- you know, divorcing. Divorces are prevalent. Especially in compared to Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> the li- yin and yang, I guess. <laughs> the live chat is chatting away. Joseph Boza said, yes, Tessa did come out and say. That is Tully's uh, account on Instagram. Juan said, the funniest segment ever was the Hollywood Blondes on a flare for the gold. That's taken us way back. Purple Person said, it should have been Tully instead of Roma in the Four Horsemen. I'm guessing you guys agree with that? At the time, probably not. Just because Tolly, and again, I'm a big Tolly Blanchard fan. Mm. I, I think he was amazing. And they tried to bring him back in like 89 or 90, but I guess he failed a drug test in mm-hmm. WWF before he left. And then that kind of made it a little bit sour to go, like, you're not going to pick up the guy that just failed the drug test in WWF. So that kind of hurt him a little bit. But I don't know, like, it just depends what, what he had left. Because we didn't really see Tolly Blanchard really as a full time wrestler after he left the WWF. So it yep. just depends on what he could have done in, in 93. No, I kind of agree. Ideally, Tully would be a perfect fit, especially compared to Paul Roma. But, you know, you can't. That, that was a personnel problem. That wasn't an ideals problem. Uh, Juan said, I always liked Ollie. Gave a better promo than Wyndham. Than Barry Wyndham. Ollie was always a good promo. Uh, just he just From what I hear, he was not a nice person. Ah, well, (laughs) interesting you should mention uh, a not a nice person or maybe, you know, two nice guys who just get heated or two not nice guys who get heated. Either way, we now have to talk about the infamous Sid Arn stabbing, something we have covered uh, at length here on the show, something we've talked to Eric about, a story that he has recanted on the show multiple times (laughs) with the details switching up a tweensy bit every single time. I think it's usually the middle of the night when he gets the call initially, but Mm -hmm. this week it was 9 p.m. when he got the call. (laughs) I mean, I I just love that Eric can remember any of this and is, is sharing his thoughts with us. But is this Sid Arn Scissors fight? I don't know that that's the best thing to call altercation. it. Altercation. You know what I mean? Uh, altercation with Scissors. Is it the most infamous shoot fight in pro wrestling history? Hmm. Because uh, what other one would there be? I mean, people have been murdered. But I don't. That then. That, that once it's a murder, it's not a fight. Right, and also <laughs> like, just that people know about. I mean, true. what other fight? <laughs> yeah, has been so talked about. Uh, it made such a huge splash at the time that we're still talking about to this day. Because the only one I can think of, just I mean, I don't think this over or, or I don't think this this uh, I don't think this is above Sid and Arn. But the only one other thing I give is Dynamite Kid and the Rougeos were. They like Pat Patterson was on the lookout and Rujo's beat the living crap out of Dynamite <laughs> Kid. But I don't think that was over this one. I think this one, considering that there was like stabbing involved, right. like they got stabbed. Yeah, like you I think I, mean? I think in wrestling parlance, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's 
it's Bruiser Brody. Right. And then Sid and Arn. Mm-hmm. And let me know if I'm missing but some prolific it, pro wrestling stabbings. And especially because, like, you know, nothing, not obviously nothing glorious about any of this stuff, but, like, you kind of look at Sid and Arn, like, that potentially could have ended, like, a Bruiser Brody incident, you know? Like, yeah. You, you think of just kind of how much blood that people reported yeah. that and was... And he was stabbed 20 times, yeah. Eric said on the show this week. Like, that's crazy. Like, I can't even imagine getting stabbed 20 times. Like, with I, scissors. And scissors are pretty thick. Yeah. I read an article a while ago from a former prison guard, and he was just kind of explaining all the things he knows. And one of the most fascinating things that he noted was the human body can get stabbed a lot. <laughs> like hundreds of times, you can get wow. stabbed hundreds of hundreds of times. I've never tested so it. Keep I guess moving. Like, that's just something I'm happily, I'm happy to not know firsthand. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, prison guard said that he would know better than <laughs> I. How many times human can get stabbed? And especially like in the moment, like I guess obviously we're never that. I think we're never going to get the full details because I doubt they were ever going to talk about it in detail. But like, what was exactly were they aiming for? You know, were they aiming for the neck? Were they just kind of aiming for the back? Like, and I'm sure in the moment, I'm, I'm sure if you have scissors, you're not thinking, how can I hurt him without killing him? Right. You know. So I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of not not that I want answers because obviously this is so infamous as you guys <laughs> said. But it just it just so like like Eric like not that he changed the story. It all kind of we all kind of know the details. Yeah. But it just man, it's so unfortunate like it's thankful mm. in some ways that it did not end up a little bit more tragic and they were able to at least hash out their differences years later and 9 p.m is the middle of the night for eric bishop <laughs> that's <laughs> true guys up at four. <laughs> that's true uh oh had you heard this the little detail before that it was that sid was bragging about holding wcw up for a hundred grand when that was how much of a pay cut art anderson had to take that was a new one for me that was a new one for me too that yeah. was pretty new to me i've heard murmur of it i Doubt that was said in the same night. That fe- oh, like, okay. The way, because once again, if you hear two or three or five multiple stories, you have to line them all up by believability and then pick the middle one. And that's probably the story. Yeah. So if you line them all up and you pick the middle one, that middle one in no way is he bragging at the bar that he got a hundred thousand dollar, he got a hundred thousand dollar raise. Right. Knowing full well, other people at that bar could have gotten a hundred thousand dollar pay cut. Mm-hmm. But I I would not be shocked to hear at any time while it happened that Sid did actually brag about it to the boys and then it got back to Arn. That that's, the animosity was there but I don't think it was the same night. Mm-hmm. Well, and Eric did say on this show that Arn could be what he called verbally abusive. I wanted to ask you guys about Arn's reputation at that time. Obviously he was the enforcer he was known as a scary guy but not really, not like not a jerk, not he wasn't somebody that you would n- know that, oh, you don't want to work with him, or he has a bad attitude, or uh, what was his reputation back then? I, it was, I don't know. For me, at least, it's hard for me to tell because I wasn't really in deep with, like, the dirt sheets and stuff like that. But as far as seeing him, he always came across as somebody who was very soft-spoken. Yeah. Never really, not, never, not as soft as, like, Jake Roberts, but not as loud as, like, a Ric Flair either, where it's, like, every word matters. So I figured a lot of that translated to his real life, just somebody who's just always very calculated. Uh, maybe, maybe not the friendliest, but definitely somebody who isn't going to brush you off either. It's just somebody yeah. who's just kind of maybe in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. He strikes me as somebody who whose words would have so much value. Because, like, there, there are people in the world that can chew you out, but they chew everyone out. So their opinion yeah. their opinion holds so little water that I think when people say that Arn Anderson could, cut, could like, verbally cut you, I think coming from Arn Anderson, you'd be like, you know what, kid? You shouldn't be here. Could you... That's all it would take. <laughs> like, that would hurt. Like, if that's your life's... Absolutely. Your life's work is to get there, and then one of the greatest people there that you respect more than anything looks you dead in the face. It's just like, I don't think we should have ever signed you. 
Well, God someone, damn. I mean, yeah, you're right. And someone who we know always had Arn's back was Ric Flair. And Eric did give Rick a lot of credit for saving Arn's job, but also said, and I hadn't, I don't remember him putting it like this before, but this makes it make a lot more sense to me. The fact that Sid went back and seeked Arn out mm-hmm. and kept the fight going is what made Sid more at fault in everyone's eyes mm-hmm. than Arn is ultimately why Sid got fired. It makes sense. It does. He had put it that way before, and I kind of thought, like, oh, okay. Why didn't you just say that before? <laughs> well, you're right, like, because essentially it's two incidences, not one. Right. And the one, the first incident, you could argue both people were at fault. But then they separated. And then when Sid comes back, it's his fault. Anything that happens is Sid's fault. Because especially when they make it seem like, well, Arn still had a job because as, as, as a favor to Flair, they're kind of implying that they're both equally at fault. But then yeah. when you say Sid went to go seek out Arn after the fact, yeah, it does make it seem like, well, Sid should have been fired if that's the case, you know? Yeah. The chat roll says Arn's, Arn did seem like a stand-up guy. And, of course, we got a couple of softball jokes uh, in the live was... chat. The, 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 the Sid softball jokes are the softballs of wrestling humor. <laughs> they absolutely are. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the renegade. <laughs> this is one of those things that obviously Conrad knew bringing it up on the show would be a little cringy. Of course, the renegade is ultimately what they call the cosplay ultimate warrior. That's, that's a pretty good way of looking at it. What did you guys think? Of the Renegade back in the day. You're fan, you are hardcore fans watching. You, I'm sure, were fans of the Ultimate Warrior and this guy, the Renegade. I'm gonna predict I'm gonna predict what George is gonna say. George isn't going to say the normal um, internet neckbeardy thing. <laughs> Your after buzz TV <laughs> predictions. He's going to say, I don't know, I thought he was alright. George, what are you about what are you? It was not all right. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, because because we were all because he kept saying because I it was it for a slamboree or uncensored. Oh, brother, I have the ultimate surprise. So when it's not the it's not the ultimate warrior, that's just straight disappointment. Like really, and 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 it's and just one of those where, especially during that time as a kid, where you have before the Monday Night Wars, it was just WWF and WCW. Yeah. Uh, with, without the Nitro and the Raw, it was just like like can you be a bigger ripoff? <laughs> you know, and it's just like, it just, don't make it obvious. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you're going to do something, that's fine, but just don't make it obvious. And it was just so obvious that he was just a warrior ripoff. Or either that or they couldn't come to terms with Ultimate Warrior, so they needed, they needed a, a cosplay, as, as they said. Did you feel the same way? I, I very much felt the same way. I think, if, if we're ranking stuff, I think he's <laughs> I think he's right up there with indie guys around the 90s just being doink. Just the, everybody just being doink? Because the internet wasn't a thing yet. You're just like, I'm doink, kids! Well, somebody who was rooting for the Renegade was Hulk Hogan, who really had a hand in sort of creating the whole thing. Eric says what Hulk was really going for was recreating what he had back in the day at WWF with Ultimate Warrior and the whole thing. And that's a great sentiment. George, you're someone who's hard on Hulk Hogan a lot for stuff like that. You gonna give him uh, was, a pass was, on this? One? I was gonna praise him yeah, when, okay. when he when he, when he, when he lost the double A. Switching up your um, gimmick, I like it. But, but if anything, <laughs> man, I lost my train of thought. Um, but we're, we're renegade. Oh no, because because uh, you kind of saw a little bit the same a couple years later with Goldberg. We yeah. all thought the same thing with Goldberg, so that worked. So I don't blame them for trying. I'm not saying that hey, don't try, but I'm saying like hey, good job trying. But yeah, it didn't work. Like and, and it also helped too that he didn't really have the the charisma that Ultimate Warrior had. And he didn't really have the promo ability, I guess you can say, the Ultimate Warrior had. Well, like, yeah. he, we talked a bit about casting in this episode. I would argue he wasn't perfect casting for a cosplay Ultimate Warrior. Like, you could have found somebody to fit that role better or somebody 
good enough to take the parts of that role yeah. and inflect them back out into what their what their best attributes are. Because my argument when it comes to um, getting saddled with a bad gimmick, as people would say, is The Undertaker. Where I'm like, that's a terrible gimmick on paper. You're a zombie. I guess I never thought about it. You're an undead zombie who yeah. no-sells everything. You're not dead, so how could you ever lose? Like, it, a lot of that boils back down to the performer. That mm-hmm. it's... Mark Calloway was so good. And he brought so much of himself to that character that over time, we really got over the hokiness that was a wrestling zombie. Mm-hmm. Similarly, like, I think the renegade, if... A, cast correctly, but B, full bore, brought into, and then you already had somebody in there that was very special, could have been something that years into it, you would look back and remember when that was just a warrior thing? Remember when they were just trying to capitalize on who the ultimate warrior is, but then that performer and that character melded in such a way that it actually worked out? I think Abyss is a pretty good example of that, too. Yeah. You know what? I will give them a pass. I'll give oh, them a okay. pass. Just because, just, I mean, it's so bad, but I, just because they tried, you know? Because we, we always hear the same things. Demolition is a ripoff of Road Warriors, but Demolition worked. You know, Goldberg was a ripoff of Steve Austin, but Goldberg worked. So I don't blame them for trying. Like, kudos for trying. It didn't work. But hey, as Eric always says, I'd rather try and fail than not try at all. Purple person in the chat said Renegade was only there to get a rise out of the fans. That might be true. Negative or positive? <laughs> well, uh, purple, purple person, person has... get back to us. I, <laughs> but I think if the idea was an ultimate warrior ripoff that is a heel, you're mm-hmm. already you're already in a bad in bad territory creatively because you don't. <laughs> is it an ultimate warrior ripoff? He wasn't a people heel. Love... Renegade wasn't a heel. Okay, he was a baby. But, like, but I'm saying to get a rise out of the fans sounds like heel behavior. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I'm not saying that wouldn't succeed. I'm saying you're, you're in a bad spot already. It, it didn't work out well either way, let's just say. And something that I think could have really gone either way also is the feud between BFFs, Ric Flair, and Arn Anderson. So this all started when they were forced to take on Vader in a handicap <laughs> match because, according to Eric, they were trying to book Vader to be a real monster. So what else do you do? You put him up against two of your top guys. Those top guys, Arn and Rick, have a little spat at the end, and it is... The beginning of a very memorable feud. What did you, how did you guys feel about that at the time as fans? Did it break your heart a little to see these two guys who you knew loved working together start to bust up? It was a little surreal to me just because yeah. we, we, they were so synonymous with just being friends. And I think storyline, they were like distant cousins or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a little surreal. Like, I think it's something when you look back at the whole landscape of just how wrestling works, it had to happen at some point, And yeah. I'm glad that it did because I think it made into a, a great emotional story as well. We heard about the story about Arn like, being nauseous before the match because like, yes. he was so nervous. Like He probably never thought that he would have to be in this position, which can be a good thing or maybe even a bad thing. But in this case, I thought it made for great TV. Yeah, Fall Brawl 1995 is when they finally went head-to-head. Rick was booking, of course, at the time. Uh, does that have a factor um, in there? What what is the what is the factor in that? Though? I think it probably um, maybe was good because maybe Arn trusted that Rick can book mm-hmm. it correctly as opposed mm-hmm. to maybe somebody who, who didn't, like a Terry Taylor, which I'm sure we'll get into in a <laughs> Poor Terry gets such a bad rep on this show. Uh, but, of course, that fall brawl match between Arn and Rick did become kind of a classic match. And uh, Eric said it really set the tone like for what these guys were going to do. It had acts. Is this something? Did you guys pull it pull it up and watch it back? Or you've just seen I've it? Seen it I've yeah. seen it a good, good amount of times. You've seen it enough? 
It's on the Horseman DVD. Like I'm a, I was a big DVD. I'm still am. Like I'll buy all the DVDs, and I usually watch all the matches. So I remember watching that match back a few times because again, looking back at it, it was still a little surreal. That can't believe that those two guys went up against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also like the proper payoff to that. You keep Arn Anderson and Ric Flair away from each other, possibly forever. Right. So that if that matchup ever actually happens, you put it in a place like Fall Brawl where it's like, no, no, I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay to see that. Well, and usually in that sort of situation where there isn't necessarily a traditional heel and a traditional face, I think the fans oftentimes don't know what to do with that. They're Mm -hmm. not sure who to cheer for, and sometimes they can not play well in a live setting but the fans loved that match yeah. right i think a lot of too like you said maybe like both heels but obviously i think they 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 gravitate a little bit more toward flair because mm-hmm. he's rick flair but yeah. either way yeah I, I agree absolutely well in the midst of all of these accolades and everything that arnie is accomplishing he is also riddled with injuries that take him down pretty fast actually so this is next stuff um I'm, I'm, we're well, it was neck vertebrae. <laughs> it was neck vertebrae and um, unironically un- 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 spine. A lot of like the nervous system too, because yeah. now he doesn't have feeling in like one of his hands or one of his arms. Yeah, yeah. He ultimately needed surgery. Um, and had a long recovery, and then he even had some cardiac issues uh-huh. after that. He ultimately lost some control of his left hand, uh-huh. and something really interesting that came out of this part of the discussion on the show was Eric talking about his father and how his father dealt with issues like that because he was born prematurely in like the 1930s or something like that. And so Eric literally saw in Arn's hands that he was having nerve issues and told him, hey, you got to go to the doctor. Yeah. Of course he didn't want to. Can you imagine being in that position as as an in-ring performer, George, having an injury that you suspect may end your career. I mean, it's heartbreaking, because especially with Arn Anderson. And we and I know Conrad mentions this a lot on the Shivani podcast, where they talk about like somebody like Arn Anderson, who's always kind of looked the same. Yeah. But in 1997, he wasn't even 40 yet. Like, and you have a lot of these guys like AJ Styles, like Bobby Roode. Like, a lot of these guys are, like, not only pushing 40, but they're, like, 41, 42. Shawn Michaels retired at, like, 46, 47. Chris Jericho just won the AEW championship like at 48. And you have Arn Anderson, who... In 39, right when, like, the Monday Night Wars and Nitro was really getting, like, even to the next level, mm-hmm. like, he had to retire. Like, that's got to be heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, and especially, it, it must have stung a little less because he was involved in the business during both, essentially both booms. Because mm-hmm. I would argue there's the Austin boom and then the Cena boom. Yeah. If you want to get technical. He was involved in both of those booms. But it still must sting a little to be, like... It has to. I like, could have been on TV, and I'm not. You never want somebody else to kind of dictate your life, yeah. whether somebody else or just some incident. You want to be able to retire on your own terms. And, you know, knowing how – and we said it even earlier how he's always been in the business. You know, wrestling has been his life. Wrestling is his life. So knowing that he can't wrestle anymore, it's like I'm sure – while Eric obviously was will be the first to take care of him, I'm sure there must have been just even a small window of like, well, what next? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to do? You know, being a wrestler is the only thing that I know. Mm-hmm. So again, just not even the fact that he was 40, like right. had to had to pretty much cut it short. And even aside from the emotional thing that you go through with something like that, Arn said the pain was so bad that he wanted to die. I know it's crazy. I that's it's unimaginable to me. I I, I just I can't imagine how much pain that must be you guys sadly, sadly I could imagine the amount of pain but I don't want to like I, like I don't want to put myself there but I 
We're going too and, far and, now. And no, no, is... But even so, like combine the physical pain with the mental pain. Because again, it's one thing to hurt. Now you're adding on that mental aspect of like not knowing what to do next. Like, and just this this has been his only life for the last twenty years. Right. And as I continue to pose questions to my expert panel, mm-hmm. which is what I'm doing here, not displaying my own knowledge, but thank you to the <laughs> chat roll for that. Let's talk about the infamous retirement speech that Arn delivered. This is something every wrestling fan remembers. And for a lot of reason, we got to listen to it at the end of this podcast. What effect did that have on you as a fan back in the day? Do you remember your reaction? I remember. Uh, it's sad to say, but I remember at that time, I thought it was just kind of a storyline. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know, yeah. like, Arn, like... I mean, he was sincere. Don't remember. We all know how sincere he was, but I was like, oh, he'll be back. Because at that time, I was a young teenager thinking, like, everything in the business is a work. Like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think that that TV had room for this realness aspect of it until maybe like a couple years later. But kind of looking back at it, I'm like, man, that really was emotional. Like, for example, like when he kept saying like he's going to give Kurt Henning his spot, I didn't really know how big of a deal that was right. until like realizing, wait, like Arn, like he's always been a horseman. He's always been right there next to Rick. So to give Kurt Henning or anybody at that fact his spot, like, man, that's a big deal. I... I'm trying to think if I thought it was a work or not. I think... Oh, yeah. Because wrestling at that time... like WCW at that time, that felt like the kind of... The kind of angle you would work to get him to the next pay-per-view. It seems a little Bischoff-y. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying it seems a little Bischoff-y, because if anything, Bischoff would... It seems a little crockety. Okay. Like, that feels like... I think he calls it the Southeast Territory. Mm-hmm. That that's the kind of... Those are the kind of angles that they would run. Like, the... An NWA or Crockett version of this story would be Arn announces that he's retiring, and then Ric Flair has a big tag match against two foes, and he talks Arn Arn to come back, mm-hmm. and yeah. then Arn re- like minus naming a specific injury, but I was young enough I wouldn't have really caught the difference. But I knew by I knew by three weeks when we didn't see Arn again, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we're we're done here, and especially because it. like especially even back then, it's a little different now, obviously. But back then, people seemed to come back from injuries all the time, yeah. and so we didn't ever. I didn't. At least I didn't know how severe, or how real this was. Because even going back to, and I wasn't a big fan of Miss South because it was before my time. But you hear the, those stories, yeah. how like somebody would go blind, and then you wouldn't see them for like a month because they're really living up the gimmick as far as being blind. Yeah. Then they come back and do all these all these cool things, and you know, best better for business. But again, this was the time where I thought of that, where I was like, all right, this is gonna be just at some point just, I, honestly I thought the Kurt Henning heel turn was was completely obvious mm-hmm. I thought he was going to turn NWO so I thought this was just the way for Kurt Henning to get over as a heel not knowing that no this was also Arn Anderson's retirement speech as well yeah it was more than a storyline and Eric talks about giving Arn the opportunity to deliver this promo without a script mm-hmm. to just go out there and say whatever Arn felt he needed to say I don't think that would happen in 2019 agreed um, like, regardless of who it was, I don't think anybody's being sent out there live on the air without a script anymore. No, I think that's... They did that for Daniel Bryan. They did that for Edge. Like, they do that. If you're... Imagine if AJ Styles retired tomorrow. Yeah. I think they would actually let him say what he needed. Like, mm-hmm. it's a matter of trust. And if they're already the kind of respected top guy we think they are, mm-hmm. that trust is already there. It's like, he knows what not to say. He know he's not going to trash everyone on his way out. He's not going to trash the company. He's not going. He's just going to give a heartfelt speech about where he is. 
Okay. I think, but I think it's a certain level. Like if Elias retired tomorrow, I don't think they'd give him a live. I think, I think he'd still have to give them a set list of the five songs he's going to play uninterrupted. I'm sure he has that set list. He absolutely would. Oh well, uh, of course. Following up this famous speech is a parody. Every good thing, every, <laughs> anything that pulls at the heartstrings is going to get parodied, and it's of course going to get parodied by the NWO in the mid '90s, uh, and in this case by one Kevin Nash. And according to Eric, Kevin's parody of Arn's retirement speech stole the show that night, but uh, is was was not well received, shall we say? <laughs> not even necessarily by Arn right away, but by Arn and Rick's wives, who it sounds like this all would have kind of blown over, like the guys wouldn't have really said anything and they maybe never would have mentioned it to Kevin and would have just been mad about it, like men do sometimes, and then forgotten about it. But the women, and they were like, hello, uh, you guys look like morons. <laughs> and that's what got everybody all riled up. Um, I don't think it was that bad. I'll, I'll come out and say it. Okay. Like, I, I don't... My issue is that the NWO was a heel group, and I understand they were they were cool late '90s heels. Yes, but they were heels. That is the, that is their official tagline. <laughs> like, cool late '90s heels. I want that T-shirt now, just in the NWO font. In the, I'll make it. Um, <laughs> Where's my sharp Pablo T-shirt? I I sent you proofs. Okay. <laughs> um, what what I heard back on this podcast was cheers and laughs for the parody. When shouldn't the whole point be to get heat? Shouldn't the whole point for us to be like, how how dare they? Arn Anderson last week came out and shared something with us. And here they are one week later, and they're lampooning it. And I think if they came from a perspective of like, how do I get them to boo me for what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have been as harsh. Harsh enough to get wives to call husbands. Well, yeah, Joseph Bose in the chat said the parody did make Arn look like a moron. Sorry. I, I loved it. I, I, I mean, maybe, I don't know if I'm just mean-spirited, but I, I look... Okay, so let's go back. Let's go back to 1997. Looking back, and I've said this numerous times. I've said this to Eric Bischoff to him. I'm saying, because he always apologized for it. Oh, it was a little mean-spirited. At that time, me not knowing anything, I thought it was such a great segment. It, I think in, in, in response to what you just said, I think it was full of laughs. But I also wanted to see the horsemen beat the living crap out of the NWO because of that. Made me want to tune into Fall Brawl, which was, you know, the upcoming that weekend. Now, them not getting their comeuppance, that's another story. <laughs> but as far as just segment by itself, it was, I don't know, I, I, I think it's still one of the greatest segments. Not knowing maybe some of the backstory. Because we all heard, like, Kevin Nash brought out Arn's actual cooler. Yeah. So, mm. I, you know, at some point, Arn was, like, okay with it. You know, but like yeah, he, that's like, what I'm saying. Like you just said, it wasn't so much them; it was just so much like maybe their wives. Like, yeah, it, like it didn't land well. I, I think it was their wives. I just love <laughs> like the whole... the, everything we're hearing about. Blame it, my I, women. No, I'm not blaming them. I'm <laughs> saying that all of them in the locker room, especially if you're giving, if Arn Anderson's giving the cooler, like I think he has a pretty good idea what the segment's going to look like mm-hmm. and cover. Yeah, that I don't think it's. I think I think they have to retroactively say, "Oh, we didn't we didn't like that. That that painted us in a poor light, right, honey?" And especially like <laughs> and especially like these. This is Arnie Anderson, uh, Ric Flair, like the Horsemen. They're like grown up, or not grown up, but like pretty much their adult life is in the business. Yeah. If anybody knows how to get heat or how to draw business, it's going to be everybody involved. So I would think that like they're all okay with it because there were some great lines. Just the whole like, oh. 
you know, I can't even feel my hand, and that symbolism was that to hold my beer. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I, I love like not a dock spot, not any spot, not a liver spot. Like I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, there's, that was funny. there's so many great things about this segment that I look it back and I'm like, oh no, this was funny. Like this was a great segment that drew a lot of heat because again, going back as a fan, I wanted to see the horsemen beat the crap out of these guys, and isn't that what it's all about? For me to get a segment that I saw on Monday and me to pay money that upcoming Sunday to see that happen. And, and then that what wrestling is all about? You're not wrong. To I, talk him into the building? Yes. I, be, I think that's exactly what Eric Bischoff And that's exactly what, what happened after I saw this segment. The previous one didn't let me, didn't, me, didn't have me see that. But the one after that, or the, the, the regular aren't retirement because that was a while of a retirement mm-hmm. speech. But the actual parody, that made me want to watch and that made me want to pay money to see that match. Wow. You can't argue with that. Yeah, because an Arn Anderson retirement speech puts over Kurt Hennig, and then the right. next week makes you want to see Kurt Hennig. Uh, words. Right. That's, a, that's a sad end, but so I will uh, end this by posing to you guys the same question Conrad did to Eric. What do you think will be Arn's legacy in I, this business? I, I think kind of coinciding with today being the 4th of September, we just saw something this past weekend in All Out, um, him coming out during Cody Rhodes' match, because Holy Blanche was getting involved and just the reaction that he got to the point where The Rock himself tweeted like, man, like that part was awesome. Like probably my favorite part of the AEW pay-per-view that just shows that how awesome and how classic that Arn Anderson uh, moment and even that spine muster that he hit on, on, on Undertaker at WrestleMania 18. Like that's always a big spot because we all know how awesome he is. Even going back to the Hall of Fame speech, it was a whole, it was the entire Four Horsemen, Rick, Tully, uh, Barry, JJ, and Arn getting inducted. You know who got the biggest reaction? Double A. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his legacy will be not only the enforcer of the Four Horsemen, but the enforcer of pro wrestling. Oh. I just turned a phrase right here, sassy. right now. But I do think that the way he seamless, fairly seamlessly transitioned from being the character on television to crafting characters for television mm-hmm. would be that. I they're not all winners, guys. I just did. I just did a real good one. Um. I think that's I think that's how he'll go down as somebody who worked the wrestling business inside and out mm-hmm. and left an overarching legacy that there there are so many guys who can attribute their career or their matches or their success to Arn's tutelage. Yeah, and Eric says, you know what? In ten years, I think Arn's name will be mean even more. Than I think it does so now. too, especially now and now he's in AEW. But even when he's in WWE as an agent, a lot of people don't realize this, but he's responsible for some of the biggest matches. I think I could be very wrong, and I apologize in advance about this. I think John Cena said that like Arn Anderson like aged in every single one of his big matches. Wow! Like and and look at John Cena like the, mm-hmm. the, the, his his matches that he's had at a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam. Like Arn Anderson was like the agent for most of his matches, maybe even all his matches, because that's how good and like you said earlier, the psychology, the timing, like the finishes, just that. That's how great Double A was, and a lot of people don't see that because you know you don't really see the agent get praised after a big time WrestleMania match, mm-hmm. but you see the wrestlers make sure to give them the proper praise because of you know how they helped them with those matches in their career. Yeah, he was my dad's favorite. Really? Yeah, and also my parents always say they listen to this, but I bet they don't. So <laughs> testing. <laughs> And guys, if all of the folks watching us live out there right now, there's a whole bunch of you. We want to thank you guys for joining us. Ben, Craig, Billy, Jobo, Purple Person. You guys are all Charlene. Oh, we had all the faves. Cute water bottle. I love that name. We had all the faves joining us tonight. We want to thank you guys. And if they want to keep up with you and everything you do, where can they do that at, Steve Kaufman? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter almost exclusively. I'm at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I'm involved in a lot of different YouTube projects. If I'm tweeting the link, I'm involved. 
Uh, you can follow me at Ghermoza, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. I'm getting involved in a lot of cool things as well. Anybody who speaks Spanish or any of your friends speak Spanish, we cover Monday Night Raw every single week, Monday nights at 10 p.m. in Espanol. We had a fun night this weekend. We had a wrestler on this past weekend. Uh, we got some more programming uh, that's going to be coming up soon, very soon, in uh, AfterBuzz TV. That I want everybody here involved. I want to get your feedback, opinions, all the above. Obviously, five-star ratings, hopefully, and not just for this show, but for every show that we're all involved in. Yes, and I love an announcement about an announcement. <laughs> George will be making those sometime soon and you guys can always hit me up at Christy Reports. Next week ooh, this is one everybody's been waiting for. Eric goes home from WCW. Any questions that you are looking forward to getting answered in particular? Um, I think if he if he ever intended to come back when they sent him home or if he was in such a fugue that he didn't know. He was over it? George? Same. I mean... Uh, you put me on the spot. I'm sorry, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot of the same stuff. Like, I always think it's gonna like, well, I'm just gonna go home and go hunting. I don't know. That's what I feel like. So I'm kind of curious. What was like the first thing he did when he when he went oh, home? The first thing he did. Well, we will be right back here to break it all down with you. Remember, we are live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time. We hope you will join us. In the meantime, have a great week. Bye-bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed here. 